This is The State of Things. I'm Anita Rao. Is a $2.2 billion retail, entertainment, and housing development in the best interest of Raleigh's residents? That's what was at issue earlier this week when the Raleigh City Council voted 7 to 1 in favor of rezoning a southeast Raleigh location. The former industrial sector was approved for mixed use for the downtown south development. In addition to shopping and high-end housing, the project also intends to build a massive sports and entertainment stadium. While downtown South would provide jobs and attract more business investment to the city, it would also further displace residents who've already been struggling to hold on to affordable housing in Raleigh. Here with me is WUNC data reporter Jason DeBruin. Jason has been covering housing and development issues statewide since January. Hey, Jason, welcome back. Hi, Anita. Good to be with you. So tell us more about the history of this downtown South project. How long has it been in the works? So kind of a couple ways to answer that question. The short answer is two years, basically, a little bit less than two years that this exact project has been going on. But these developers had a similar project or a similar idea for the north side of downtown um, for about the two years prior to that. Um, And that, for a variety of reasons, didn't go through, partly because it was on state-owned property and trying to work out a deal to either develop or acquire state-owned property proved to just be too difficult. But going back even further than that, uh, a stadium on this, you know, southern tract of land here that's being looked at for this project was envisioned as as early as 2008. Hmm. So that was a different set of developers, obviously, um, and, and a, in some ways a lifetime ago. Uh, but uh, in some ways, you could say that this has been sort of at least thought of for a decade or more. So this step this week, the the vote to uh, approve rezoning was very crucial. We're going to talk about all the reasons why it was controversial, but let's first just talk about the timeline. Why was the vote so important at this moment? So the developers said that the they essentially would have abandoned the project at the end of this year uh, if they didn't get this rezoning approval. It wasn't entirely clear why they were going to do that. I think part of it is just, you know, when you work on something At some point, you have to read the writing on the wall. Uh, They also said on the call earlier this week that apparently there was another buyer lined up for the property. That's not I don't know that to be true. I can't independently confirm that. And really, I don't know anything about it. Um, But that is what one of the developers said, is that um, if they didn't buy the you know, they had the purchase agreement to go through at the end of this year. If that fell through, then there were apparently other people lined up for that property. But anyway, suffice to say that the developers said it's either now or never for us. So you say the writing on the wall, and and one of the major concerns has been that um, this will further impact um, the loss of affordable housing, which is already really scarce in Raleigh, a big concern for residents and activists. And you've been looking at the history of displacement in Raleigh. Tell us a bit about that and how um, development in this area would be in particular um, a concern for folks. Right. So gentrification has been happening in Raleigh for the past decade or so. Well, really since the economic rebound, um, I guess even before that, really. But I'll throw one stat at you. Since 2010, um, in the in the areas directly to the east and south of downtown Raleigh, the white population has grown by more than 80 percent, while the non-white population has grown by just 5 percent. And I think that really sort of indicates how much gentrification and then also displacement has been happening in those parts of town. Um, This exact area, if you go down South Saunders Street, just to put this on a map, by the way, if you were in straight in downtown Raleigh, get on South Saunders Street or what, what, you know, is 401 heading towards Garner and just go straight down, straight south. And 
basically right before you get to the 440 interchange is where this whole project would be located. So it's pretty, it's an industrial use right now. It's pretty undeveloped. That area really is sort of the last part of Raleigh that's close to downtown, um, but that it would still be considered affordable for, you know, low and, and middle income households. So the concern that was raised in the Raleigh Planning Commission meeting, which was a week before the Raleigh City Council vote, was that they weren't convinced that the way that the project was looking at this moment, that it would do more um, good than it would do harm. So they decided unanimously to deny the application for rezoning. Let's hear from Nicole Bennett of the Raleigh Planning Commission from their meeting last week. I keep thinking of a quote that's like one of my favorite quotes, um, and I've tried to govern everything I've ever done by this quote, and it's our prime responsibility in life is to help others. And if we can't help them, at least don't hurt them. That strikes me because I feel like this rezoning at this time, and I said I think it's just before it's time, has the potential to hurt a lot of people. Perhaps the people that would be helped outnumber the people that would be hurt, but I think the significance of the people that would be hurt is enough that I have to vote no today. That was Nicole Bennett of the Raleigh Planning Commission. I'm here with Jason DeBruin, WNC data reporter, talking about the downtown South development proposal in Raleigh. So she and other opponents point to this history of repeated displacement and their concerns that this would further that. Uh, Talk a bit more about those concerns and the effect that they had. Right. By the way, that quote that she references from the Dalai Lama, so it's not like it's just, you know, some random (laughs) quote. Clearly, that's an important person to to emulate. The concern, I think, is real, right? I mean, if you have a, a $2 billion, and by the way, $2 billion, just stop to think about how big that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a massive development with, with millions of square feet of office and retail, you know, thousands of residential units. So it, this really would be a huge project on 145 acres. You're going to have displacement, right? Maybe not people that are on those exact properties, because fortunately or unfortunately, the properties that they're looking at, the tracks, there's really actually nobody that lives on those. But all of the surrounding areas, of course, would be impacted. Clearly, when you bring, you know, two billion plus dollars and invest that in an area, the property values in the surrounding neighborhoods are going to increase. Now, that's a good thing for the property owners. Clearly, you'd like to have your property value increase. But for renters who are there who probably can't find uh, places to live that are close to downtown, perhaps close to where they work, um, at, at rent prices that are affordable to them, they're going to be forced further down 401, maybe all the way into Garner, maybe out of the city altogether, right? I mean, already we know that there are a lot of city workers, for instance, who can't afford to live within the city limits of Raleigh. So they have to drive longer, right? They have longer commutes. And so there are just all these negative effects um, on surrounding areas, particularly to, to low and, and low middle um, income people. So the city council did approve the rezoning despite the commission's rejection of it. And let's listen to a clip from Mayor Mary Ann Baldwin. This is from this week's city council vote on downtown South. Southeast Raleigh, there have been a lot of promises made and not many promises kept. And this, when I was listening to everybody today, what it comes down to for me is this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for jobs 
It's an opportunity for investment in the community. I have heard from Southeast Raleigh and Southwest Raleigh residents for 10 years that they want to see investment in their community. I heard somebody tonight say this is an opportunity for unity. And you know what? It is. And it's time we all start acting like adults and we come together for the betterment of our community. That's Raleigh Mayor Mary Ann Baldwin. And, and by that adult comment, she's talking about some um, yelling and, and raised voices that, that were happening in the public comment section earlier in the meeting. I'm talking with Jason DeBruin, WNC Data Reporter. So what ultimately swayed the city council's decision? What is she referencing when she talks about the people who were really in favor and think there's a way to move forward with this project that will be a net good for the city? Well, I mean, there is a way that this can ultimately work out good for everybody. I mean, if, if you have an influx of private money, uh, especially to this magnitude, you're going to increase the tax base. So that's going to increase tax revenue coming back to the city. Um, you're obviously going to have a lot of economic investment, a lot of economic development. Again, that's good for the city. If the city can be responsible and take that additional money and plug it into, you know, protections for surrounding neighborhoods from stormwater runoff, for instance, or to build housing projects that are then made for, you know, that are made affordable so that people who are displaced by this project will still have somewhere close to downtown to live. I mean, there is a, a way that the math ultimately works out. And I think that's what Mayor Baldwin is looking at. The problem is you're sort of just saying to the developer, we trust you and we trust you to do the right thing. And for other critics to then look at the council, perhaps not even this council, but future councils, we trust you to do the right thing as well. And that's where the problem comes in, is that, you know, one of the things about this development is that it's actually, not to get too specific, but it's a general zoning as opposed to a, a special use zoning. So there are fewer restrictions put on the developer for this particular project than there would be for other so-called planned developments. Hmm. And so that's one of the concerns from a lot of the critics is like, Basically, you're asking us to just trust you. And, okay, that's nice for you to say, but I'm sorry, I don't necessarily want to trust a developer to always do the right thing, particularly as it relates to affordable housing and, again, some of the other negative effects, like particularly stormwater runoff into, uh, into surrounding neighborhoods. But, again, to repeat what the mayor said, I mean, she could be right, right? I mean, it, this could ultimately be a really good thing for Raleigh. And there's a ton of people that are moving here every single day, right? Even throughout this pandemic, uh, housing prices have really not been impacted negatively hardly at all in this area. And so increasing the housing stock, increasing places for people to you know, live, work, play, all of that could ultimately be a very good thing for Raleigh. Yes, it could negatively impact some people, but if you take the benefits from this project, use that money smartly, help those people who are displaced, this could ultimately be a, a, a win for everybody. Now, that's the picture that clearly the developers are painting and that the city council, at least this week, has accepted. Um, 
But if that ultimately comes to fruition, right, I mean, it's sort of a trust me situation. Right. So the developers have offered a proposal where they say we will hold um, 100 of the first 1,000 residential units as affordable. There is an advocacy group saying that offer is inadequate. The city council is saying, well, we could also, you know, create further pressure by um, not allowing them to get certain tax incentives unless they really support and and prove that they're going to accommodate these affordable housing options. So I guess looking forward, I mean, what are you watching for to see um, the role that the city council will play? Because this current Raleigh City Council has embraced more inclusive policies on affordability. So are people thinking that they will continue to be advocates to push these developers in the direction of more affordable units? Clearly, that's the hope. And, And I should say, importantly, this rezoning application or approval now is just that. There were a lot of people at the public hearing who also criticized the city council for, uh, you know, giving a lot of tax incentives or even offering tax rebates or, or just free tax money to the developers. That none of that has happened yet. This is just a rezoning. Um, so, you know, before a shovel goes in the ground, so to speak, there's a lot that still has to happen, including these very developers coming back to the city and county and asking for a good amount of money in return, you know, in tax incentives. In those meetings, that's where the city council has a lot more leeway to say, okay, yes, we'll give you X million dollars over X years. However, these 100 units of affordable housing, not enough. We want 300 or whatever the number is. And instead of it being for only five years, which really isn't that long of a time and and what they're promising now, we want 15 years, 20 years. Now that's gonna be a pretty protracted debate between what the developers want to do and what the city is ultimately, uh, you know, willing to give them. And so I think more than anything, that's going to be the next big step. The next big debate is what is the city and what is the county willing to give the developers in terms of tax rebates, tax incentives, and what in return are the developers willing to give the city for affordable housing, number one, and also protections for other low-income neighborhoods in the area. We don't have a lot of time left, but I would love for you to zoom out a little bit and talk about this project within the context of North Carolina. You've spent a lot of time reporting this year on gentrification throughout the state. Where does this fit into the statewide picture of of housing concerns in this moment? Well, it's, it's kind of a great case in point because you have investment, you have development, you have exciting new things happening. You know, a downtown stadium, for instance, that's very exciting. Raleigh doesn't have that, right? I mean, one of the biggest criticisms of PNC is its location, right? It's really nowhere near downtown. So all of that, on the one hand, is very good for a city. It it creates a lot of excitement. It's new places for people to, again, live, work, and play. But there are downsides that come with that. And there are problems, especially for low-income residents. And so this is just such a perfect example of, yes, this is good. We want development, right? We want private investment. This is very important for a city, but we also have to be very conscious about how it affects people at the lower ends of the income spectrum and the most vulnerable people. And if it's just hit, gas, go, develop, 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 then you're going to leave a lot of people behind and ultimately cause a lot of harm to a lot of people. I have about 30 seconds left, Jason, but in terms of the developers and, and who they are as figures in the community, is there anything in particular we should know about that and that you're focusing on moving forward to understand the players in this decision? Yeah, absolutely. So it's Kane Realty, the developer of North Hills and the Dillon and a lot of other projects in Raleigh. I'm sure that name is familiar to a lot of people. 
And then Steve Malik, who's the owner of the North Carolina Courage and NCFC uh, women's and men's professional soccer teams. So that's sort of the tie into the soccer stadium. This is a developer who's done a lot in the area, not always done a lot for affordable housing. Malik is sort of a newer player on the development side. We know him from the soccer side, but, you know, remains to be seen how much uh, affordable housing and other type projects uh, that he'll do. All right. Jason DeBruin is WUNC's data reporter. You can find more about this and the rest of his reporting at our website, stateofthings.org. Thanks so much, Jason. You're welcome. North Carolina Public Radio is a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Anita Rao.